Please fasten your seatbelts. The skies are rough and our two pilots have no idea where they're going. So kick back, relax, and enjoy your flight on no blackout dates. No blackout dates. No blackout dates. No blackout dates. Santa has worked with air traffic control organizations around the globe. We've worked out signals. They know when Santa's coming. They've let airlines know Santa's coming through. Clear your airspace for this amount of time. So the elves have got to be the best example ever of a happy labor force. I'm curious, are they protected by labor laws? Are they unionized? I'm happy to announce to everybody that Santa does in fact exist, has existed for hundreds of years. He's awesome. What's up everyone and welcome back to a very special holiday edition of No Blackout Dates. I'm Evan. I'm Tim. And our guest today is arguably our most famous since we've started the podcast. He's been around a long time, loves milk and cookies. He knows if you've been naughty or nice. That is right. The man himself, Jolly Saint Nick, Chris Kringle, the big guy, Santa Claus, is coming to No Blackout Dates. It's his busiest time of year, so we're lucky to catch him so close to Christmas. Uh, as you can imagine, we have loads to discuss with him. But first, I almost want to skip hot takes, honestly, this week, Tim, and just get right to Santa. It's like it's like Thanksgiving dinner. You kind of want to skip the dinner part and get right to dessert. I agree, Evan, but we're not going to do it because it's holiday season, so we're here to bring all the cheer that we can to our audience, and that includes our most famous segment. So we got to do it. We would never deprive our audience of the gift that is hot takes. Let's get right into it. I'll kick it off with the question that Matador Instagram followers voted uh, they were most interested in hearing us ask today, which was, what makes something a Christmas movie? Honestly, I think that Christmas movies are so blatant about being Christmas movies that they can't be anything else. Like, think about Love Actually. Love Actually would be a terrible movie, and some probably would say that it is, but it would be a completely incoherent movie if it weren't the christmas season when all of these things happened like if love actually took place in june it wouldn't even make any sense so the christmas has to actually play a part in the plot of the movie to the point where it could not exist without christmas so by that logic it's a wonderful life is not a christmas movie correct okay you might be the first person that's ever agreed with me on that tim well you know evan that's why we have a podcast yeah okay so it's a wonderful life Arguably one of the best Christmas movies ever made. When you ask people, what's your favorite Christmas movie? 80% of them say it's a wonderful life. I always respond, I don't really think it's a Christmas movie. The only scene that occurs during Christmas is the very last scene. But then people say, this is the question for you, Tim. They say, but the spirit of the movie, the theme of the movie, the when he sees what life was like without him, it's all wrapped up in what the spirit of christmas is it's all the thematically it's a christmas movie if not in setting or in actual plot point does that make it a christmas movie no because the spirit of christmas should follow you year round it's not a seasonal thing if you're a good person that's not on the naughty list the spirit of christmas is always present (laughs) all right said with uh utmost conviction i like it well all right it's wonderful life not a christmas movie uh, slide into our DMs if you disagree. Next one, if you were Santa Claus, Tim, and you were bringing a gift to the kid who's number one on the naughty list, what would you bring them? Well, I feel like Cole is outdated now. 
uh, it's being shut down all over the world. So we'd probably have to go with like a used wind turbine blade instead. I like that. You're really getting with the times. I'm all about being modern, bro. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? What would you bring? I'd probably bring a, uh, like a gluten-free pizza. Oh, okay. Like one of those pizzas that's made with like a cauliflower crust. Yeah, well, it's, and the reason for that, the reason, and you know what, I'd probably rather eat that than a uh, any other food. That's, I'll still, I'll, I'll eat gluten free pizza, I'll eat a vegan pizza, whatever. Pizza's pizza, but I think that the excitement the kid would have upon opening his presents and seeing like like a nice freshly made pizza, and then only to learn that it's a gluten free pizza, that decrease in enthusiasm and that blow to his excitement, I think. That's what makes it such a terrible gift. It's not that it's a vegan pizza or a gluten-free pizza or whatever. It's the expectation that it's a real pizza and smelling it and be like, oh, I'm about to like crush this pizza right now. Christmas morning. Nope. That cracker crust is about to crumble in your mouth. Okay. Well, I've got a couple for you, Evan. The first is when you were a kid, you grew up in a Jewish household. What was your impression of Santa Claus? I growing up for I think until I was in middle school I was like oh yeah Santa like he must visits all these kids and um, that's great for them like it kind of sucks he doesn't visit me I get eight nights of presents that's awesome can't complain about that uh, but I was jealous I was jealous that other kids got to have this kind of mystical character visit them and they were part of this whole tradition and then some kids started telling me these you know these rumors around middle school that Santa wasn't actually real. And I was like, oh, wow, like that's kind of disheartening. And I'll admit, I actually bought into that for a while, for a few years, actually. But then I did my own research, as is such a popular phrase these days. And I sat down, really put my head in the books, went to school, studied history, had Santa on my podcast today. And I'm happy to announce to everybody that Santa does, in fact, exist. He has existed for hundreds of years he's awesome and everyone should write him a letter email him uh hit up his elves guys easy to get in touch with so that's my impression of santa tim a little bit of a rocky uh rocky perception for a little bit bought into some misinformation but i'm back on the straight and narrow right and you win because you actually now know santa personally and most of those kids don't yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Santa, he's in my phone. I can just hit him up whenever I want. He's on Snapchat. Uh, guy sends hilarious snaps. So feel sad for anyone who doesn't know him personally like I do, honestly. And it's crazy to think that the whole time he's had an amazing Nashville accent. Uh, my second one for you, Evan, is also kind of seasonal due to the fact that so many people travel home for the holidays. There's a good chance that they might bump into somebody that they haven't seen for a long time. And, you know, it's funny. When you're walking down the street... You see somebody that you recognize, but you don't know them very well. And you know that they've also noticed you and are thinking the same thing. Neither one of you actually wants to talk to each other, but you feel obligated to say something because you both know that you've recognized each other. What is the best way to handle this situation and if possible to escape the situation? So these are people that you know enough to recognize each other, but not you're not friends. You're not close enough to act, stop and say hello and have a conversation. Right, like maybe you see somebody from high school that you didn't even know very well in high school, but you knew them and they know you and you hadn't thought about them in 20 years and then all of a sudden you're walking by each other in the aisle at the grocery store on Christmas Eve. The mature thing to do is to stop and say what's up. The easy thing to do is pass by each other and not say anything. 
I think in most cases, people just pass by and don't say anything. Is it wrong to just kind of look down and walk by? Like, because then you know that you ducked the situation. Yeah, the socially correct move is to say hello. Okay. But I think 90% of situations, people won't. But I think this is a phenomenon I've always noticed, is if you see somebody from home in a place you don't expect to see them, so somebody you, you don't you barely know, you just kind of see them in passing, and then you see them in another environment, that person suddenly becomes your best friend. Fair enough. You know what I'm talking about? So there's guys I see at the gym every day. I see the same 12 people at the gym every single day, and I don't say a word to these guys. We, we all know we all go there at the exact same time, and I see the same people, and I don't say a word. We don't say a word to each other. But if I were see one of those guys out at the bar or at the coffee shop, I'm always like, oh, guy from the gym, right? And they're always the same to me. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, guy from the gym. Hey, what's up? And that's how – then we start talking. And then we're in the, in the gym. It's like, oh, hey, what's up, man? But it, you need to have that uh, interaction outside of your normal ecosystem that you're used to seeing them in to make to bring them into your inner circle because otherwise they're just going to stay amorphous gym guy forever. I agree. And you know what? I'll, before we jump in with Santa, I'll, I'll close this out with an anecdote about kind of about that, but a little bit different. So one time when I was probably 12 to 14, I was traveling with my family and we were in, you know, an airport, probably in Detroit or something. And a woman approaches us because she recognizes my mom. And it turns out that she was the babysitter that lived up the street from us when I was like three. And used to be my babysitter. And, you know, she moved away and it had been many, many years since we had seen each other. I would have never recognized her in a million years, but she recognized my mom. And then all of a sudden we're like sitting there in a random airport talking to this person that there's not really anything to talk about except, oh, yeah, you used to babysit my kids 10 years ago. That's, I think, the fear of approaching that person who you don't know that well is that there's not going to be anything to say. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, hey, man, what's up? Uh, nothing. Uh, how, how are you doing? Oh, good. So do you, what do you do for work? And you're in this conversation to nowhere that you don't care what they are doing for work. They don't care what you're doing for work, but you're having the pleasantries anyway. And it's like, all right, well, we had a connection 10 years ago, and now we don't. So let's stop pretending. And that's, I think, what people don't want to get sucked into, which is reasonable. But I still think it's the responsible, mature social decision to say hello. Okay, well, we'll leave it at that, and we will get into it with Santa Claus himself, and we'll see you on the other side. Can I get your best ho-ho-ho, Tim, before we go? Ho-ho-ho-ho-ho! It's Christmas time again. It's time to be nice to the people you can't stand all year. I'm growing tired of all this Christmas cheer. You people scare me. Please stay away from my home if you don't want to get me down. Just leave. Santa Claus, a.k.a. Father Christmas, a.k.a. Kris Kringle, has been in business since the 16th century, bringing gifts to children on Christmas and brightening up their holiday. I know you're extremely busy visiting kids at the Salvation Army, the Enchanted Forest, and a number of hospitals, so thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to talk to us today. Santa Claus, thanks for being on here. You're welcome, Eben, right? Eben. Eben, sorry about that. Yes, Santa that's Zell's okay. Hey, Santa, you know if I'm a naughty or nice, but you don't know how to pronounce my name, Santa. Very, uh, very disappointing. 
said it's had a busy day, Evans. You uh, have had a busy day. And, uh, and busy you, month, you, I'm sure. You may, you, may rest, you may rest easy knowing you are on the nice list. So Yes. Oh, man. That was my first question. Tim, Tim is there also. That, that I find hard to believe. Now, is it Santa, uh, Chris, Mr. Kringle? What do you prefer? Most people call Santa simply Santa. It's easy. It's Little kids can say it. Okay. Um, of course, across Santa sees the world map behind you. Of course, Santa's known as Papa Noel, Father Christmas. Just wanted to show show the due respect that you deserve. So good. We'll go with Santa. Santa, Santa works. It's easy. Everybody recognizes it. And you brought this up already, but so what does it take to get on the naughty list? Now I'm on the nice list. Tim allegedly is also on the nice list. But how do you what what gets you on the naughty list? And once you're on it, how do you get off of it, if you can at all? It's always possible to get off the naughty list. You just you just okay. got to be good. good to know. Because and Santa doesn't demand perfection because Santa knows no child is going to be perfect, mm-hmm. no adult's going to be perfect. We all mess up, but if you do the best you can every day, it's going to be hard to make the naughty list. Can I get a percentage breakdown of kids that are on the naughty, or I guess anyone, uh, adults as well, who are on the naughty list? Like 90% nice, 10% naughty, like what are we talking? Oh, it's it's actually less than 1% that are naughty. Really? Okay. Yeah. That's funny. I, I grew up thinking it was a 50-50 split. Parents like to do that to their children. It's a good scare tactic. It really is. But I think what we really want to get into right now is the the logistical challenge of doing what you do which is delivering so many gifts to so many people in such a short period of time there's 7.7 billion people in the world something like that maybe so uh, you know some of those people are on the naughty list so you're delivering presents to say you know 7.5 billion people in one night must be a logistical nightmare how do you pull it off well even it's really not 7.5 billion people in one night because some people celebrate Christmas on St. Nicholas Day, December 6th. Some celebrate on Christmas where Santa visits on the 24th. And then some celebrate in January on the Feast of Epiphany. So Santa visits in January. So while there's one night that people recognize, there's other nights that Santa delivers gifts. Also, not all children believe in Santa Claus. So, and they don't have Santa as part of their tradition and their culture. So Santa doesn't visit there. So it helps bring the numbers down. Santa can't give you exact numbers because everybody's been asking Santa for specific information for years. Santa gives away too many secrets, he'll be out of business. That is true. That is true. Has anybody ever tried to... uh, you're, You're a famous consumer of cookies. Oh, indeed. Has anyone ever tried to sneak in those gluten free cookies on you? Oh, definitely. And Santa appreciates their concern. And you know, since there's so few of them overall, they're really not too bad. If everybody did it in a single night, then we might have problems. But if you had to choose a, if there's a chocolate chip, uh, the classic Christmas cookie, what's your, what's your go-to? What, when you slide down that chimney, you look in the kitchen table, what are you hoping to find? Santa's favorite is a snickerdoodle. A snickerdoodle, because it's fun, okay. Because it's fun to say snickerdoodle. It, it is fun. Oh, there's Tim. He's back. You, you almost have to laugh to say snickerdoodle. It's fun. Dare you to say the word snickerdoodle without laughing, Tim. Pro- prove to us that you're still here by saying snickerdoodle. He, he was there for a minute, and then he vanished again. Nope. He's not here. All right. Well, 
That's fine. He's quickly he's quickly inching his way toward that naughty list. Tim's gonna figure out his technical difficulties here. Well, that's see, Santa, Santa's not gonna hold Tim responsible for technical difficulties. That's Santa. Yeah, Santa's very generous. And I mean, speaking of the cookies too, I, I don't want to be rude, but have you ever you consume a lot of cookies? Right. Have you ever considered maybe going on a diet? Have you ever tried a diet? It's been a few hundred years for you at this point. Like, I mean, cookies aren't healthy. You could probably fly a lot faster if you lost a few pounds. And this is all said with the utmost respect. But has Mrs. Claus ever been on you to, you know, maybe switch it up, try some carrot sticks? Even you might be surprised to know that Santa's on a diet most of the year. Because uh, think about it. If you think of all the millions of cookies that Santa's eaten since the 1600s. That's a staggering number. 1500s. Don't you think Santa'd be much bigger than he is? That's, that's very true. That is very a, true. He's yeah. yeah. You should have seen Santa in uh, in eighteen eighteen twenty three at the peak of his uh, his gluttony. He was six hundred pushing six hundred pounds. But no, Mrs. Claus, Mrs. Claus put Santa on a diet after Christmas. We eat healthy. Cookies are limited. Sweets are limited, and we have an exercise routine that we do at home at the North Pole. We're going to be going on vacation in January and. We'll get some rest and relaxation there and swim and all, all locations, uh, top secret, so that Santa can relax and enjoy. Oh, yeah. So. You can't broadcast where you're going on vacation. Oh, You'll no. get absolutely flooded with paparazzi. Santa doesn't want, Santa doesn't need, Santa doesn't desire the same level of protection that celebrities and politicians and uh, folks look for. So Santa likes to keep everything okay. The Elf, elf Security Squad... They do fantastic job. They they make sure Mr. and Mrs. Claus are incognito everywhere we go. And speaking of Mrs. Claus, what's she doing most of the year? Does she have a job? How does she spend her days when you're delivering all these presents, when you're getting the presents ready, when you're at the workshop? What's she doing? Let's be honest. Who do you think's the boss of the North Pole? <laughs> she's keeping things running in the uh, she's, she's, in the, in the town community. She keeps Santa straight. That's her job, and that's a big job. She's got the toughest job at the North Pole to keep Santa on track. And Because Santa likes to go off and play with the toys. Santa just saw some elves across the way from him here a minute ago, and one of them had a football, and Santa was ready to go play. And Santa's elf was like, Santa, you can't play. You're in the middle of something. you got to stay here. you got to focus. And uh, Mrs. Claus wasn't here, so that's why she's got the elf watching, and she's taking care of some things in the workshop while Santa's visiting with you and Tim. What's the culture like in the North Pole? Is it pretty much just uh, you know all all, uh, all work and no play for you, or are you El- elves? Uh, you just you guys chilling at the workshop, hang out with the elves in your spare time. What, do, what are you doing? Well, now through Christmas Eve, it's pretty much all work and very little play. This is this is our this is our crunch season. This is peak. This is it. This is where the magic happens. During the rest of the year, if you don't play, work's no fun. So we keep a good, healthy balance. Uh, you've heard the reindeer games. There's elf games. Uh, we all enjoy. We all enjoy kicking back, relaxing. So we have a good time. We enjoy. We enjoy a good party. We enjoy just a good conversation session with elves, and you know, just sitting back talking like friends, like we're doing here today. Hey, Santa enjoys a good party. That's always good to hear. I'm curious about the elves while we're on that note. So the elves have got to be the best example ever of a happy labor force in the history of humanity. Definitely. Uh, I'm curious, are they protected by labor laws? Are they unionized? What, what can the U.S. do to pull the happiness 
from the elves and, and employ it around the country? Well, the reason the North Pole works so well is that the elves are respected. There's no union. There's not one needed. Okay. We, we sit down. We work together. We take care of uh, each other's needs. We make sure everybody's cared for. We just look out for each other. We treat each other kindly. We teach, teach each other, treat each other respectfully. And when you do that and you have a cooperative spirit instead of an adversarial spirit, uh, which seems to happen too much in U.S. labor, things happen, you know? If the elves have an idea for a toy, whatever, they come to Santa, sounds like, man, that sounds great. They've done the research. They've got kids that like it. It goes into production. And then, of course, Santa's budget is such that we have some leeway to do new things and try things. So that's why you see new toys each year. So. Now, what is, speaking of new toys, what is the craziest thing that anyone's ever asked you for? Surprisingly, those things do not include toys. Uh, some of the most peculiar items Santa's been asked for through the years is a blue mustache. A blue mustache? A blue mustache. Okay. A single, a single pink balloon. Okay. One child asked for dirty socks. <laughs> not sure why. Mm. Yes, Santa asked parents and she said their daughter liked dirty socks and Santa suggested that maybe mom not do laundry for a week and Christmas morning have a pile of dirty socks outside her bedroom door when she woke up. Okay, so dirty socks, a pink balloon. Were you the pink balloon, Tim? I I was. I was the blue and the pink balloon. Yeah, well, Tim just had a daughter recently, so I think that I, I was thinking the pink balloon might have been a, uh, a fitting gift for him. Well, congratulations, Tim. Thank you. Yeah, the pink balloons are coming, I'm sure. Santa will be sure that that little girl has plenty of tissue paper uh, to tear up and chew on and eat on Christmas morning and throw around the living room, and then she can play with the empty boxes later. Probably have a couple of wrapping paper tubes there for her to bop Mommy and Daddy on the head with because she'll enjoy that more than just about anything this year. Next <laughs> year, she may want a couple of more toys. Thank you, Santa. We were talking. We were talking earlier about what you do when Christmas is over. So you know it's January. What about in the summer? So how how do you handle sun? I mean, do you burn easily? You, you don't get a ton of sun exposure, I can imagine. So when you are exposed to sun, you're still up in the North Pole, so you're not really having to deal with it too much. Well, Santa does, Santa and Mrs. Claus do travel during the summer, so mm -hmm. we may be out and about in sunnier climes. We do we don't like to stay away from the snow too long. It is home for us. We're acclimated to it. We like the cooler weather. We do wear uh, high SPF sunscreen when we're out on the Have beach. Have to. Both burn easily. It's not unusual to see Santa wearing the old, the more old-fashioned swimsuits with the uh, longer shorts and the longer uh, long sleeve shirts. Right. Do people recognize you though? Like, I'm, I'm curious. So, if if you're going to the Bahamas, where where can people find you? Where do you go? Well, he doesn't want to tell people, Tim, because then people will track See, him down. Th that's right, Tim. You you may not have been on it when we discussed this a few minutes ago. Santa doesn't like to give away locations. Fair enough. Because unlike the uh, politicians, celebrities, athletes that have an entourage of protection, security, Santa doesn't want that attention drawn to him. The Elf Security Squad, they're great about keeping everything low-key. Um, a true believer will know Santa and Mrs. Claus when they meet him. Uh, Whether we're on vacation in the Bahamas, Hawaii, uh, Fiji, uh, we travel lots of places. But there are a lot of pretenders out there trying to be you. They're in, you know, in malls, in 
uh, on TV. Is that flattering or is this a case of just flat out identity theft? Some of them are pretenders, but some of them actually are Santa's elves that he is that ah. look enough like him that he trusts to go and hear children's wishes. They've been deputized uh, to, be, been to be Santa Claus. Deputized, like so to speak, right. Sanitized uh, is another sanitized. funny word to say it now. <laughs> Sanitized. There you go. Those ladies and gentlemen appear as Santa at malls, at malls to hear the requests. They visit home parties. Uh, they Anywhere somebody wants Santa to visit, if Santa himself's not available, he's got these He's got the elves that make special appearances on his behalf, and there are literally thousands of them across the globe. And again, a true believer will know the real Santa when they meet him. You've, I'm sure, seen all the movie portrayals of Santa Claus. Do you have a favorite? Do you have a favorite uh, actor that's portrayed Santa? Do you have a favorite movie in which you have starred? Santa's favorite is the original Miracle on 34th Street. Love that one. Yes. Okay. With Sir Edmund Gwynn. Yep. Sir Edmund is a member of the United or the Santa Claus Hall of Fame. It's based in uh, the United States of America. This recognizes Santa's elves that have helped portray Santa through the years. A Santa Hall of Fame. He's, okay, I didn't know that existed. That's fascinating. Mr. Gwen just did a fantastic job of catch, capturing Santa's spirit, Santa's heart, and Santa's desire for folks to do well by each other. I just looked this up. Very real thing. 2020 class of inductees has about a dozen Santas. Class of 2020, the most recent inductee to the Santa Claus Hall of Fame. Congrats to George Pansino. And Grace Howell, Larry Jefferson, John Johnston, all of these legendary Santas just inducted this past year. Absolutely fascinating. Santa Claus Hall of Fame. What is the, do you, do you know, I mean, I'm not sure if you're involved in this process, but when you're, when you want to be a Santa Claus for uh, Macy's Parade, what is the tryout process like? So these guys, are they elves that you've deputized to uh, serve in the parade? Do you know these people personally? Um, how do they go about getting that job? Do they have to have a, a direct line to the big guy? Do they have to know you? Macy's has asked Santa not to disclose that information. Okay. And That's fair enough. That, that Santa's going to honor that request. Okay. <laughs> and one other thing that a lot of people want to know, I think, is about the reindeer. And whether you've had the same reindeer for, I mean, you've been in business a long time. Have you had the same reindeer all these years? I mean, do you sub them out for new ones when they get too old or, you know, tired? Uh, does, uh, if not, do other reindeer get jealous of Rudolph or stealing their thunder all the time? I mean, is it, is there any kind of rivalry there between the reindeer? What's the deal with that? The, the reindeer magic keep them going. So there will, Always be Dasher, Dancer, Prancer, Vixen, Comet, Cupid, Donder, and Blitzen. And, of course, Rudolph uh, with his nose so bright for rainy, foggy nights. And the reindeer are at the North Pole now in training, getting ready for the big flight Christmas Eve. We'll, we'll start at midnight on December 24th at the International Dateline, and for 24 hours we'll be nonstop. And what are they doing when they're, it's not Christmas Eve? So for a whole year, they're kind of just chilling, right? Well, literally and figuratively. Jan January, February are pretty much time off for them. They just get to spend time 
resting, and then uh, March they start getting ready for the reindeer games, which usually happen in the spring, late spring, early summer, and then it's they have their training routines uh, that they have to keep up throughout the year because you slack off too much, you're not going to be ready on Christmas Eve, and we don't want any of those reindeer not in peak condition on Christmas Eve. And I, I also speaking of Christmas Eve and just the process of you know delivering all these presents to people and the workshop. I, I mean, you might be the world's foremost expert on the supply chain issues that we're seeing right now in the U.S. or in the U.S. and around the world. Around the globe. Yeah. What what is causing them exactly, and how are you dealing with it? Santa's fortunate that his magic helps overcome some of his supply chain issues but for the rest of for the rest of the world pretty much everywhere you look there's something broken along each link there's been problems with manufacturing in uh, the asian nations because of uh, pandemic covid pandemic concerns there's been issues with having enough ships getting containers from overseas to the US to the Europe and then once you get to a port you've got to be able to get it off the ship and then once it's there once it's off the ship then you got to get it out of the port to get it to a fulfillment center well you've got to have enough folks working on the dock to get it off then you have to have enough drivers to come in and pick up the container and take it away and then you got to have the fulfillment center's got enough space to unload it and all along that line, there are labor shortages, there's equipment shortages, there's space shortages. A lot of things came together all at once to create the havoc that we have now. Santa's got friends at IMC and based in Collierville, Tennessee, that are helping him work with that. And the IMC marketing staff actually put together a pretty good video about that that you can see on their LinkedIn and YouTube channels. So you're not a one-man show. You collaborate with businesses on the ground to make this happen. Of course. Santa can't do it all by himself. I think that's that's one of the most interesting takeaways because I think a lot of kids think, a lot of everyone thinks that Santa's pretty much does it all on his own. He's a one-man band. He, you know, him and the elves, they manufacture all the presents, they ship them, they, they deliver them all on their own with no help. And I think it's important to, to realize that he, everyone needs help, even Santa Claus. Oh, Santa! Santa has elves everywhere. They're not just at the North Pole. There, you could meet an elf today when you go run errands after this interview is over. Elf on a shelf, real elves. They're real elves, but but you may meet an elf working at uh, your local coffee shop, your local bookstore. Put fuel in your car. You may meet an elf there. Elves work at gas stations. There's children there. The elves are watching. They're, yeah, they're watching, seeing what children are doing. They're keeping an eye on you. Santa can't be everywhere at once. He's got a lot of people to depend on to help him get the information that he needs to determine who's naughty and nice. That is strangely reassuring, actually. It, it, it takes an army of multitudes for Santa to do what he does. The phrase, it takes a village, I now realize what it means. A village of elves. It takes a village of elves. And speaking of needing help, when you're flying around that night on Christmas Eve, you must be in constant contact with air traffic control, right? I mean, there's thousands of planes in the sky at any given time. How do you not collide? And this was not an issue you had to deal with pre, you know, 1925 or 1930. 
now is this a more of a modern issue for you, Santa? So how do you how do you deal with that? You must be in constant communication with these guys. Santa has worked with uh, air traffic control organizations around the globe, and we've we've worked out signals. They know when Santa's coming. Uh, they've let airlines know, guys, this is Santa's coming through. Clear your airspace for this amount of time. Make these routes around it and. Mm-hmm. We've had a couple of close calls, but nothing. Oh yeah. Nothing. Nothing that endangered any any reindeer or Santa. It just we 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 brushed a little closer than we wanted to, but that was by two or three or four miles, and we like to keep five or six mile radius. So. If you had a God forbid, if you had a collision with a plane, would you be seriously injured, or would your Santa magic kind of protect you? Santa sleigh has many safety features. Good. That again, sure. he can't go into detail about mm-hmm. because other folks would want to know about him. Well, yeah, of course they would. And Santa's got to keep some secrets so he stays in business. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. Uh, before we close out, I want to ask you I think a question a lot of people would wonder if you could get one present for Christmas, if you could sit on the proverbial Santa's lap and ask for one present, what would it be? That's the easiest question Santa's asked in any interview. Santa wants every child of every age to be the very best that they can be and do the very best that they can do. Santa knows they're gonna make mistakes. Santa knows they're gonna mess up. That's fine. Get up, try again. Keep doing it. Keep going after what you want in life. Second is for everybody to wear a smile. Smiles are contagious. If I smile, you smile. See, I said smile, and you smile bigger. There you go. All right? There we go. If you smile and somebody else has smiled, then somebody else is going to smile. There'll be more smiles. And if everybody's smiling at each other, how is it going to be possible to get angry at somebody? Inspiring words from the big man. It starts with a smile. It's it all starts with a smile. It yeah. starts with a smile. Can't argue with that. Great words as we go into this holiday season. Christmas just a few days away. Santa, thanks again so much for taking time out of your schedule to come on. Uh, it is it is just a few days before Christmas, so anything else you have to say to people? Is there anyone anywhere people can check you out, visit you if they want, or are you pretty much under lock and key in that workshop, grinding away these last few days? Santa's staying busy. If you want to get in touch with Santa, there's, there's plenty of places uh, online to find how to reach him by email by video chat. You can visit his assistants at the mall, uh, wherever. Santa's still listening to requests. So boys and girls, get your letters in, get your emails in, tell Santa what you want, tell your elves on the shelf what you want so they can let Santa know. Uh, We're working round the clock to make things happen on Christmas Eve. One important thing to remember, Santa's not gonna promise anyone that they get everything they ask for. Can't always get what you want, even from Santa. You don't always get everything you ask for. Santa will promise that everyone will like what they receive. That is a good promise. And that's a great promise. Santa, thanks again so much. Thanks, Santa. Merry Christmas. Even it's been a pleasure, Tim. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for so much for having Santa on the show. Anytime. Thank you for letting Santa talk a little bit about what he does at the North Pole, what his friends at IMC do for him. It's been fascinating to hear it. You've done a great job. You ask good questions. Obviously, you did some research before you talked to Santa. He appreciates that. 
Enjoy the holiday season. Stay safe up there. We'll talk to you soon. All right. <laughs> there we go. We got one. We got one. Thank Merry you, everyone. Christmas. Merry Christmas to all and to all a good night. <laughs>
just the other day. There's a number of hotel rooms that are popped up all over the city that are temporary, have lively bar scenes, and you'll find crazy things like nipple cushions and lava lamps sitting outside in the cold. Uh, I'm not going to lie, Evan. Uh, I want to go. I want to go to one of these crazy hotels with nipple cushions on the bed. You can see now in this photo, they look like cupcakes, but they indeed are cushions with nipples on them. I'm out on pop-ups, Tim. I'm out on it. I think that trend died in 2017. I know there's all kinds of different pop-ups, but I don't I don't know. I don't like the temporary marketing gimmick. And it's just so transparently we're going to make this kind of an Instagrammable experience and lure as many people in with that aesthetic as we can and then we're going to fold up and move on to another city and do it to those people there. It just doesn't feel authentic. It's not going to they can never be these places can never really become parts of the community or invested in the community because of how transient they are. I, I just it's not my thing. Don't I don't like it. What about the Ice Hotel? Would you stay in in, in Quebec City? Would you go to the Ice Hotel? I would never stay in an Ice Hotel. I think it sounds like the most uncomfortable night of my entire life. I would never do that. It's supposed to be really nice. It's, I mean, it's the same concept kind of as an igloo where you're warm vicariously because you're in the enclosed space and it's decored in a warm manner. You know, you're still sleeping on a bed. You're not sleeping on a block of ice with your head in the water. I So uh, Laura, our old boss, Laura, did, went to the Ice Hotel in Quebec City and she said she literally was sleeping on a blanket on top of a block of ice and that it was awful. And I think I would go, I would go and visit a place like that. She must like, have got I, the budget room. Maybe. I don't know. I, I went to a uh, an ice museum in Alaska, and it was cool. It, it, we didn't sleep there. You can pay to sleep there if you want to. But we walked through. It was very, very cool. Uh, had like a drink at the ice bar. It wasn't a pop-up, but I think that's cool. I would love to go there. But I would never sleep in an ice hotel. To your point about pop-ups, though, yeah, there's some that are like that that I'd be like, oh, yeah, I, I go visit. I'm not saying I would never go to a pop-up ever. But I think the concept of them is not great for communities because they come in, they kind of like put down roots for a couple weeks or a month, and then they leave. And they're not invested in the – the best businesses, I think, are invested in the community and have a symbiotic relationship with the, the culture that they're in. And that's not what pop-ups are. Like there's a bakery that just popped up down the street from me. It's a pop-up bakery. It's here for, I think, until February. I, there was a bakery that was here for years. I would go and sit there and do work, and I got to know the women that worked there, and it was nice. I'm not going to do that at a pop-up because what's the point? The people are going to be packing up and leaving in a few days. They're carpetbaggers. It's like I don't need – I don't know. And I think that that's not to say I'd never go and patronize that bakery, but if it's between that and a permanent institution, I would much prefer the actual business. Interesting words from a traveler. Evan Diskin, not an impulsive business uh supporter he's got to be able to build a relationship with said business or else he doesn't want anything to do with it except uh if we're if we're uh revisiting our business idea from the, a few episodes ago starting up a, a laundromat slash co-working space maybe maybe a pop-up laundromat co-working space just to as an exploratory thing before we dive in with both feet we can you know see how it works what where's the location though where is the right location to do the laundromat co-working space I don't know. I mean, what am I saying? I do know Denver, San Francisco, Portland, Oregon. Yeah, I think Portland might take the cake on that one. Portland is probably the place where it would be successful and it would like become an instant classic thing to do that is like covered by the news and everybody comes and then they build a food truck court next to it. So you have like 200 people there all the time. Yeah. 
Yeah, it just, it just screams Denver to me for some reason. But maybe that's just because it was your idea and you screamed Denver to me. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, thank you for listening to this special episode of No Blackout Dates. I'm Evan. He's Tim. If you want to check us out for some reason on Instagram, I'm EvanFlow underscore. He is Tim Winger. One, remember to subscribe. Rate us five stars. Thanks again to our producer, Alex Halkey, executive producer, Katie Hetrick, our newsletter guru, Kelsey Wilking, the whole social team. Merry Christmas, everyone, and we'll catch you next week.